Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvat Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us on Zoom or in the building Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. For the Zoom link, please contact tikvatdirector at gmail.com or contact us on our website, tikvatisrael.com. There you can also support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and find helpful resources. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of his word. So David gave a very mini drosh of this portion. But as I was meditating on this portion, I felt like this was what I had something else I was going to share, but I felt like this was important for the season that we're in. And it ties into the story of Joseph. And last week, we talked about how Joseph was risen out of prison to the second in command over all of Egypt because he interpreted dreams for Pharaoh. And Pharaoh asked him about interpretation, interpreting these dreams, and, and Joseph gave credit to God. He says, it's not me that is interpreting the dream, but God knows all, and he's giving you the answer. And we know what happens. Because he was placed in this position, he prepares the whole nation to go through years of plenty and to harvest and store everything. And then for the years of famine, where it's going to get really difficult. But because we've prepared, because we know how to administrate this, Egypt's going to make it through. And not only that, but it's going to end up helping the entire surrounding region. All these different nations are going to look to Egypt for help. And then we know that Joseph is reunited with his brothers. And as terrible as he was treated, he responds in a very, very righteous way keeping his heart pure before the Lord, he's weeping, seeing them again, and sad that they were separated, but also wanting to test where their hearts are. And so he sends them back to his father Jacob to go get who? Benjamin, the only brother, true full brother of Joseph, and whose mother had already passed away in childbirth, Rachel. So this is amazing that we see Joseph testing his brothers to go get that one son that his father didn't send on the trip. Why? Because he was very protective of him. He knew, I don't want to let go of my son, Benjamin. But at Judah's request, willing to give his own life, he said, I promise that I will take care of Benjamin. Send him up to Joseph. Let's prove that, you know, we are who we say we are, and then we'll have favor from the Lord. So they bring Benjamin back, and Joseph tests them again by filling their bags with all the food that they have requested and paid for, but lots of other things. Their money that they used to pay for the food and his prize goblet that was used for divination. I don't know what that means. It's kind of interesting when they throw these things in the Bible. But this goblet was also placed in Benjamin's bag. And as they're going back to Jacob, what happens? Joseph goes after him. He sends the, his, uh, his men after him. They say, someone's taken from us. How can you betray the benevolence of Joseph, 
the second in command in Egypt. And they open up all the bags of each of brothers. And they say, we didn't do this. How could we do this? We paid you for the, the food. How would we betray you? And if anyone's betrayed you, let them be your slave forever. And sure enough, they come to Benjamin. Poor little, I don't know how old Benjamin was. He's probably actually 17, 18, maybe even older than that. Because uh, Joseph is 30 at this time. And sure enough, there's this silver, golden, whatever goblet in the bag, and Benjamin is framed. So this is where we pick up in this Torah portion, and, um, and the Torah portion, Vayigash, means, and he approached. And so Judah approaches Joseph and whispers in his ear and has a dialogue with his brother to say, you know what? I cannot let my father hear the news of Benjamin becoming a slave. He's the favored son of my father. Please take me in his place, and I will be your slave if you will let Benjamin go free. Can you put yourself in this situation? You know about the, the pain that you've, you've walked for years seeing your father Jacob walked through pain by losing Joseph, his son, that he loved and favored from his beloved wife, Rachel. And then the second son that was also favored, Benjamin, now is being put on trial for something that he didn't commit. And Judah, with a change of heart, recognizes this is the moment of my trial where I reverse the decision that we made as brothers and make things right. See, in Jewish tradition, you cannot have true repentance unless you are faced with the same circumstance and because of your change of heart by God's grace, you act in righteousness. And this is what Judah did. He acted in righteousness when it finally came to the moment of trial. Even though he knew that Benjamin was still favored, he could have said, oh, now I've gotten rid of both of these brothers from Rachel, my stepmother, but instead he honored his father. He honored his brother Benjamin and set things right. But I want us to focus on an interesting thing. Jacob is then invited to come. You know, Joseph, after hearing this, he just breaks down weeping. He, he, he's just undone. He forgives his brothers. He says, don't worry, uh, because of this change of heart that I see in Judah, I am going to send you back to bring my father, and you can all live in the land of Goshen during this famine. And so Jacob comes. He comes all the way from the land of Canaan down to Egypt. But here's what I want you to say. Jacob goes before Pharaoh, An amazing thing happens in, Gen in uh, Genesis 47, verse 8. So Pharaoh asked Jacob, how many days are the years of your life? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, the days of the years of my sojourn are th 130 years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. Jacob, Jacob, the one who sat and wrestled with God himself, whose name was changed and established the destiny of a people and a nation, said that his days 
were short and evil. Short and evil. Think about this. I'm going to just take off this talit here for a second. And he says, moreover, the days and the years of my life have not attained the years and the lives of my fathers in the days of their travels. And I thought to myself, how sad that Jacob, who had seen the ladder, the vision at Bethel of the angels going up and down the ladder, He'd had visions of God. He'd had moments when he encountered God. And what he did when he looked back at the life that he had lived, he said it was a short life and they were filled with tragedy, filled with evil. And in a sense, you can empathize with him because he was the one who had his own brother put out a death threat against him after his inheritance had been stolen, right? But then he went to Laban, and Laban tricked him into marrying the wrong woman. I'd be a little bitter about that. But then Laban continued to change his wages, and it was hard labor, being a shepherd and birthing all of these lambs. I could understand being upset about that. Oh, but it gets worse, because his daughter, Jacob's daughter Dinah, was abducted and raped by a non-family tribe in Shechem. And the pain of a dad to see your daughter taken away, abused, even if he said he loved her, but to do it outside of honor, outside of process, in a family culture that was so tight, tribal. What a slap in the face. What pain, what anguish. But then to see his sons react with revenge and slaughter an entire people. Also the anguish and pain of that. So you can see that Jacob had a lot. Then the wife that he loved, Rachel, died, passed away. His favorite son, Joseph, was thought for dead for, for 13 years. He was 17 years old when his brothers threw him in a pit and sold him to slavery. And it wasn't until he was 30 years old that Joseph revealed himself to his brothers and he was in the house of Pharaoh. Think about how many years of grief. And so we say, how sad. But you know what I thought of? I thought of Abraham. And in Genesis 25, verse 8, the way that the Torah describes Abraham, it says... He died at a good old age, old and satisfied. Some translations will say full of years. And then I thought about Job, who had so much trial. He lost his entire family. He was sick. He lost everything. Did not lose his faith in God. But do you know what it says at the end of his tragic life? Even though God restored his fortunes, it says Job lived 140 years. He saw his children and their children for four generations. And so Job died old and full of days. And so the question that I have for you today is that when you look back on your life, whether you're young, whether you're old, you probably see both joy and pain. Things where God has spoken to you, revealed his life to you, 
and things that have been tragic. For me, do you know that I lost my brother, 11 years younger than me, in a fire? I was in missions in Ethiopia with my sister when I got a call in the middle of the night saying, you need to get the team to pray because your, your brother, Samuel, has been in a fire and it doesn't look good. Folks, I was on the floor crying like I've never cried out to the Lord before, yelling for mercy. And after a couple of days of him being on life support, they said his brain is not functioning. His brain is dead. We need to make a decision to pull him off of life support. And if the time of the miracle comes, then the time of the miracle comes. And you know what? We all gathered around hundreds and I wouldn't say hundreds of thousands, but thousands of people around the world were praying for my brother. And we still laid him in the grave. We had resurrection services. How many of you are bold enough when you have a loved one pass away that you're going to proclaim that what you're doing is putting the coffin in the front and we're going to stand for resurrection? A couple of thousand people in a, in a church sanctuary praying for resurrection for my brother and he didn't rise. Stand of faith. And you know what the response can be? Why, God? And when many of us face tragedy, our response is, why, God? I was trying to serve you. I was trying to do what I could to walk faithfully to you. My sister and I were on missions. My parents served their whole life to the Lord, and yet still bad things, tragic things happen. And we say, why, God? And depending on the kind of character that we have, we can look back at our life and recount all of the times when we have been mistreated, betrayed, abused. Some of you have been part of a divorce. Some of you have maybe even been sexually abused or abused by authority figures. And that pain starts to define who you are. And as you look back at your life, you say, my life is tragic like Jacob appeared to do there. We could be reading into it a little bit, but I think that what we're doing is a little bit midrashic understanding and teaching. Because when Joseph was faced with trial, his response was to serve and walk in integrity at every circumstance. He was thrown in a pit and sold to slavery. He rose to the second of the household at the plantation of Potiphar. He was framed, betrayed for his righteous refusal to succumb to temptation, and he ended up leading the jail. He became an assistant warden in the very prison that he was subject to unjust punishment. And then the very people that he helped in prison, the one at least who kept their life, the cupbearer forgot about him. Joseph interpreted his dream, says, remember me when you get in front of Pharaoh? And two years went by. How many times have you helped somebody and you're thinking, I'm serving them? And it ends up that they 
don't seem to care or they forget about you. You thought this would establish a bond of camaraderie and relationship, but they go right back to their old friends or their old life and leave you to the side. And yet Joseph still was available to be used of the Lord, to put himself in the position so that when the opportunity arose, he gave glory to God instead of himself. He said God is the one who interprets dreams. He didn't use it to make a position or a name for himself. And because of that humility, Pharaoh looked at him and said, this is my man. This is the one that's going to represent Egypt, and his God is going to be the one that sees us through this famine. And God used that. How do we respond when we're faced with negative circumstances? I'd just like to give you three really brief points before we close. Number one, a disciple learns how to suffer with character. Instead of complaining and losing faith and lashing out, they see suffering as an opportunity to be refined by the Lord. And look, good, good people have experienced tragic things. And I'm not talking about natural disasters. I'm talking about where wicked people or people who are unredeemed will cause your life pain. And yet, how do we respond? I'm, I'm thinking of um, where it says, in Matthew, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evildoer, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn to him also the other. And the one wanting to sue you and to take your shirt, let him also have your coat. And whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to the one who asks of you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Because you have heard it said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you to love your enemies and to pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. See, even Jesus himself was saying, rain, which is blessing, will fall on both those who are good and those who are bad. And the opposite is also true, that bad things happen to good people. But our response to evil in the world is what determines our demonstration of who Jesus is in our life. So we have to learn how to suffer with godly character. Number two, a disciple is ready when God calls. At every moment that Joseph had an opportunity to lash out in revenge, to betray, to step out of the game, he said, nope, I'm going to be ready to continue to demonstrate God and his gifting in my life. It reminds me of Paul's charge to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4. He says, proclaim the word. Be ready, whether it is convenient or inconvenient, 
confront, rebuke, encourage with complete patience and instruction. Is this what we are when we go through hardship? I'd like to say that I was the kind of character that always treated people that way when I'm going through tough times. But I think if most of us were honest, we can recognize that we have growing to do. Finally, a disciple has eternal hope. They know where their future hope lies so that they're able to walk through suffering in the moment. And even when they look back on their life, you know that Jacob had so many positive things happen to him. So for instance, he went to Laban and didn't just get one wife, he got two wives and two concubines. Is that a positive thing? Well, he did get a lot of children out of that. That's fruitfulness. Okay, well, let's be more serious. He became abundantly wealthy in the house of, of Laban, his uncle, who persecuted him in a sense, or was a hard taskmaster changing his wages, but God used that as an opportunity to provide abundantly so that when he left Laban's house, he went with flocks and, and wealth and abundance. He, he didn't seem to be thankful for that in that moment when he was talking to Pharaoh. Or the encounters I mentioned with God where he wrestled with God himself and came out with that encounter. Or the encounter with the dreams and the visions. Or when God said, I will provide for you. I will establish you as a people. He could have been thankful for that. Dinah, his daughter, was restored to the family even though she had this tragic thing happen to her. She wasn't killed. She was redeemed, brought back. Joseph, restored in relationship. And not only that, but was able to preserve their entire family. So how do you look back at your life? How do you look back at your circumstances now, last week? Do you see them with an eye of hope in what God can do? Or do you say, it's too painful? I can't. As David was praying earlier today, our response is often, I can't, it's too tough, I can't make it through. But someone with eternal hope in the salvation of the Lord can say, he can through me. He can restore, he can bring everything back into right order. See, life has many difficult situations that we don't think we deserve. And we don't know when those circumstances will change. But we do know that our circumstances are the opportunity to demonstrate the glory of our Messiah. Because if we relate to his suffering, who didn't deserve what he was given, the slapping, the beating, the spitting, the rejecting of his own people, his own family, the dying on the cross, a gruesome death, he didn't deserve that. Can we relate that when we suffer for things that we may even partially deserve, that we can walk through that with hope that Jesus will make it right? Let's all stand. In John 15, Yeshua himself says, I'm sorry, John 16, he says, so also you have 
sorrow now. But I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and no one will take your joy away from you. Isn't that comforting to hear? That he recognizes that we will have sorrow. Later on it says, in the world you will have amazing life, joy, comfort, provision. No, he doesn't say that. In the world you will have trouble. But fear not, for I have overcome the world. Lord, I pray that right now that those who are walking through painful circumstances betrayals, things that are unfair, that you will give them the character of the Spirit to rise up within them, that they will identify with the suffering of Yeshua our Lord, and to be able to rise up and say, yes, Lord, this is difficult, but I give you this pain. I give you that for which has caused me trauma. And for those who look back at your life and think of it, as such a string of hardship, pain, sorrow, evil. Father, I pray that you would bring the comfort that only the Holy Spirit can bring. Show them, Lord, where you were at each of those moments and how you have also given them moments of great revelation, friendship, joy, miraculous provision. And Father, let us all demonstrate the character of Joseph, that we are ready in season, out of season, in plenty, in famine, to be able to demonstrate the truth of your kingdom. In Yeshua's name, amen.